Please keep your head attached to your body at all times, and please refrain from putting your mouth in drive without first putting your mind in gear. Welcome to another episode of Just Give Me Five Minutes, where we dive into the world of fire sprinkler systems. You know what? I think I might change this to uh, Blackwater Syndicate. Let me know what you think. You know what? Never mind. I'm going to do it. Welcome to Blackwater Syndicate, where we dive into the world of fire sprinkler systems. I'm Mark Eckert, and together we're making our way through NFPA 13, and this is now part one of chapter eight. Chapter 8 is the installation requirements for fire sprinkler systems. And Chapter 8 is where we really get into the long part of the journey. It's the meat and potatoes for the installation and repair technician. We made it to the mountain. Let's start climbing. The beginning of this chapter starts like most other chapters with basic requirements. At the beginning of Chapter 8, the first thing we read is the requirements for spacing, location, and position of sprinkler heads are based on eight principles. So let's go through these eight points. Number one, sprinklers shall be installed throughout the entire building. Number two, sprinklers have to be located where they do not exceed the maximum area that the sprinkler is designed and calculated to cover. Sprinklers shall be positioned and located to provide satisfactory performance. Now, satisfactory performance includes activation time, an unobstructed spray pattern, and proper water distribution. There are some exceptions to rule number one, and number four is one of those exceptions. And number four says, in some circumstances, sprinklers can be omitted from some areas. These specific areas will be covered later on and throughout chapter eight, but here's, I'll give you one example. We'll cover this later also in chapter 8, but where we see um, sprinklers at the bottom of an elevator shaft. We have to have one down there always, right? And in 815.51, we read, A sidewall spray sprinkler shall be installed at the bottom of each elevator hoistway, not more than two feet above the floor of the pit. But right after that, in 815.52, we'll find the exception to that rule. The sprinkler required at the bottom of an elevator hoistway shall not be required for enclosed non-combustible elevator shafts that do not contain combustible hydraulic fluids. So there's just one example. Now, we move on to number five and six. I'm just going to read these two right out of the book. While these are important, these are more for engineering and protection scheme developments. In some cases, it requires performance testing by UL or Factory Mutual or another similar burn laboratory. So we'll cover five and six, but it won't really come into play as far as actual on-the-job installation or repair of systems. So number five, when sprinklers are specifically tested and test results demonstrate that deviations from clearance requirements to structural members do not impair the ability of the sprinkler to control or suppress a fire, their positioning and location in accordance with test results shall be permitted. Number six is clearance between sprinklers and ceilings exceeding the maximum specified in this standard shall be permitted provided that test or calculations demonstrate comparable sensitivity and performance of the sprinklers to those installed in conformance with this section. So that's five and six, both of which require testing. Number seven is furniture. Things like wardrobes, cabinets, trophy cases, and other built-in furniture of that type that are not intended for occupancy do not require sprinklers. 
I call them built-ins because these types of fixtures are permitted to be attached to the walls and structures and fastened into place. And last, number eight. This one, in some ways, is kind of a common sense rule. Sprinklers do not have to be installed in electrical equipment, mechanical equipment, or air handling units that are not intended for occupancy. Now we may think, you know, yeah, right, go figure. However, with all that being said, there are some exceptions. I have personally installed some sprinklers in some really large air handler units that were indeed intended for occupancy. They're designed to be occupied during maintenance. They're large enough for a six foot six tall man to walk inside of and still have a couple of feet clearance above his head and his hard hat. So the book says there are eight principles. I like to say there's nine. And I had this next one, this next little section in. System valves and gauges shall be accessible for operation, inspection, testing, and maintenance. I mean, what good is it if we install a system with components that are designed and installed for operation, maintenance, and testing if no one can find them or get to them? Next thing is system area limitations. How big can a sprinkler system be? How many square feet can a system cover? The maximum floor area of any one floor to be protected by a system that is supplied by one riser varies depending on the type of occupancy. Light and ordinary hazard, we have 52,000 square feet per floor available. Extra hazard, storage, and high pile storage were limited to 40,000 square feet per system. Floor area that is occupied by mezzanines does not have to be included in these floor area limitations. Now, if we have a single system protecting extra hazard or storage covered by other NFPA standards, as well as ordinary or light hazard areas, the extra hazard storage area shall not exceed the 40,000 square feet, and the total area covered by that one system cannot exceed 52,000 square feet. Next, we have floor control assemblies. You know what, the air conditioner kicked on and it might cause a little bit of a rumble, but we're going to keep going. So next we have floor control assemblies. And this will go along with coverage area. For instance, light hazard is 52,000 square feet per floor, we said. And that's maximum floor area of any one floor. So one system in a light hazard building could potentially cover 104,000 square feet. 52,000 square feet on the first floor and 52,000 feet on the second floor, right? What if it's a three-story building? Now we get into our floor control assemblies. Multi-story buildings exceeding two stories have to have floor control valve assemblies. Floor control assemblies have to have a check valve, a main drain, and a flow switch. These are for isolation, control, and notification of water flow for each individual floor level. I want to note one thing right here. There's one thing missing in that section. If we have a flow switch, we have to be able to test that flow switch as required in NFPA 25. So that means we have to have an inspector's test in addition to the check valve, the main drain, and the flow switch. This is usually a test drain valve. That'll let us select the size of the opening needed to flow water through. <coughs> Coffee. Okay, now a floor control assembly is not required if sprinklers on the top floor of a multi-story building are supplied by the piping from the floor below. This is common in apartment buildings where we have sidewall sprinklers on the top floor and they're supplied by piping running up through the walls from the floor below. Also, floor control assemblies are not required where the total area of all floors combined do not exceed the floor area limitations. So this means we can have a three-story building with 10,000 square feet on each floor equaling a total of 30,000 square feet. 
And we don't have to install floor control valves because we haven't exceeded that 52,000 square foot area of limitation. And now we reach the last part covering floor controls and the end of this episode. One more place we do not need to install floor control assemblies. Floor control assemblies do not apply to dry systems in parking garages. And that's going to wrap it up. Thank you again for listening to one more installation of, well, I was going to say, just give me five minutes. Thank you for listening to Blackwater Syndicate, where we break down NFPA 13 codes and regulations into small bite-sized sections. Now, as always, remember, measure twice and cut once.